Welcome to Love, Lead, Listen, a podcast from Alpha Gamma Delta. I'm your host, Emily Bice. Join us as we discuss topics that affect women of today and examine the ways that we can be women with purpose. Welcome back to Love, Lead, Listen. Today we have Maxie McCoy with us. Maxie is a professional writer and speaker who focuses on giving women the tools they need to believe in themselves. Maxie is the author of You're Not Lost, an inspired action plan for finding your own way. Maxie also writes weekly inspirations on MaxieMcCoy.com. Maxie's work has been featured on Good Morning America, The Skim, CNN, Forbes, and many other places. She received her bachelor's in journalism and master's in American studies in media from Lehigh University. Maxie, welcome. Hi, Emily. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so glad you're here. It's so great to have you. Uh, we are recording virtually for all of our listeners right now. So Maxie is in San Francisco and I'm in Indianapolis. Yes. And Emily, I'm in my closet in San Francisco. So we are super remote. <laughs> I love that. Apparently closets are like the ideal podcasting home spaces because you oh have all gosh. the clothes around you. Yeah. I know. I know. And in San Francisco, you know, there's so much street noise that I figured out that this is really the only place uh, that I can get some peace and quiet. So I'm surrounded by my clothes. I love that. Well, so like I mentioned before, you wrote You're Not Lost, which I really enjoyed reading. Oh, thanks. But for our listeners that haven't read it, can you give us a quick summary of it? Yeah, I think, you know, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's for any person who is feeling lost in their life. My work has been around facilitating women's stories. I've spent, you know, pretty much the better, better part of the last decade pre-pandemic in rooms full of women. And there was just one thing I heard over and over and over again, which is that, you know, women were telling me that they felt really lost. And they were saying that at so many different times um, and chapters in their lives. And for me, it was about, you know, what are, what are we telling people? Why are we all feeling this way when, you know, we've done all the right things, we've gone to the right classes, we've gotten the right degrees, we, you know, we did the jobs, we did the experience, and we're still feeling this way. So it really is a a journey into those feelings of being lost and then providing a framework and a solution for getting yourself out of that. It's such a fun read because it felt like every time I got to a new little section, I was like, oh, this is what I need to hear, which is <laughs> so fun to hear. That makes me so happy. So what was your inspiration for writing You're Not Lost? Yeah, I mean, it it really was, you know, I think when you're a writer, which for any writers out there, you know, I think we all dream of the day that we can write a book, whether that's fiction or nonfiction. And in the nonfiction space, I remember, you know, especially early on in my career, I was like, I want to write a book one day, but I have no idea what that book is going to be. And the way that I describe You're Not Lost is that it really was an idea that was gifted to me. When I sat down and really thought about what is this problem that keeps hitting me over the head that every woman is talking to me about, and it's the language that she is using, it was around women telling me over and over and over again, I feel so lost. It was like, you know, I was getting hit over the head with the book, which is why I say, you know, it was a title. It was a book. It was an idea that was kind of put in my lap over a lot of years of work. I just had to choose to show up and pay attention to it. And then, you know, for me, it really became about, well, all these women are saying that they feel lost, but what are we telling them to solve that? And when I looked and I looked at what was in the landscape of the the industry that I personally was working in, in this career women's leadership space, everything was centered around 
you know, go figure out your passion and follow your purpose. And it's super intentional advice. It's advice that I give and have given in the past. But when you're feeling lost, it's a really hard place to start with. Because if it were that easy, we would all be doing it already. So then, you know, when I kind of peeled back the layers on the onion of, you know, what, what actually is the thing that helps us get out of those lost feelings? It's, it's really about believing in ourselves enough to take steps, to take action without knowing how it all plays out. So I'm a 23-year-old woman that I graduated college just a little over a year ago. And when I heard the word lost as a feeling, I was like, wow, that just, it kind of finally explains everything you kind of feel. Because after you graduate college, you're kind of in the workforce. I'm assuming for the 2020 grads, they're having an even harder problem with Mm this. Mm -hmm. You just aren't fully sure what to do. In college, you're kind of given this plan of you're going to take these classes. But after that, there are no classes for you to take. There is no prescribed past. Girl, I like I am raising my hands at you, uh, my hallelujah hands, my a woman hands, uh, and then some because you're not alone in that feeling. I wasn't alone in that feeling. So many women that I've talked to, especially in that early, that early 20s range. And it's funny, you know, the readers of my book have gone from their early 20s to retirement age of just these these chapters where to your point Emily the the framework isn't there anymore right there's not mm-hmm. these um these pre-planned markers that tell us what to do and when i was in your shoes you know i had i had come out of my training my college education with you know, all the internships around sports broadcasting, on-camera talent. That's the thing I thought that I was going to do. And then some, I was going to host Sports Center on ESPN one day. And every choice I had made was to ladder up to that. Now I had all of the platinum blonde blown out uh, clip-in hair extensions to prove it. Um, and, oh my gosh. you know, oh, I will show you some old photos, especially it's even more jarring because my hair is so curly that you're like, what were you doing? But, you know, it took me a minute to figure out why I was, you know, I had gotten this tiny gig in a top 10 market hosting a high school football segment. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I everything I said I wanted, I I don't think I wanted. And if you had asked me to say, well, okay, what do you want? I couldn't have done it if you made my life depend on it. So my choice was. Let me just go back to the things that have always made me proud, that have always made me excited, which is writing women's stories. I had done that on the side throughout college and just didn't think much about it. And, you know, I signed up for a writing class here in San Francisco. Uh, it was Tuesday nights, you know, every night, for, I think it was like probably eight weeks. And I was writing again about the things that I wanted to do. And it, I had no intention of that eventually leading me to my rocket ship in in women's leadership, it helped me just completely change industries. I became, you know, part of the first five people on a on a founding team that was essentially like a, a LinkedIn for millennials at the time. This is, you know, in 2011, and it just all because I chose to take that writing class without thinking or worrying about where it was all going to to ladder into. And, you know, at the time I didn't know what I was doing, but that's the beautiful thing about hindsight is you get to deconstruct some of those choices and then reuse them in the future. One of the points you make in your book is to ditch the three, five, <laughs> ten years, and which I remember reading and I was like, that is against everything. Anyone what? ever... 
No, I know. My dad called me about that one, Emily. He's like, hey, we've always we've always really valued goals in this family. And I was like, dad, 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 I still appreciate a goal. It's just not when you're feeling lost, you got to kind of move them to the side for like a hot second. You have to take a step back from that, which I really enjoyed that you're saying, because sometimes when you're feeling lost, you're just like, I don't know what the next move is. I don't know how to plan 10 years from now. And I thought it was interesting because when you're feeling lost, I think it's a really good idea to just take that that step back and think of what could you do? Like you said, you just completely changed careers. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's, it is a little bit of a jarring thing, right? To when someone tells you to literally ditch all of your big goals, right? It's the it's the antithesis of this achievement culture that we live in that really values the big picture, the, you know, the 20 point plan, the, um, the vision of your future. And the reality is when you're feeling lost, one of two things has happened. Either you got that big goal and then the bottom fell out on it and you're like, well, now what? Or you did everything, you know, that people told you to do. And then you're there and you're like, I don't actually want this. And trying to trying to set goals when you're in that lost fog is it's almost I mean the word that comes to mind for me is almost performative like you're just doing it to do it it's not because it's really what you want and sometimes you know that might not be true for everyone but I feel like when you're when you're lost and you're trying to set these 10-year goals it's just like maybe this will help it's almost out of desperation and the reality is when you become so attached to to a hyper specific goal which by the way I used to worship you you miss so much of what is right in front of you of opportunities that you may never have planned for but if you were to really listen to it, it's like, wow, this feels right. Or wow, this is super aligned with what lights me up. Let's just go and try it. And a lot of times we were, our eyes aren't even open to any of that because we're so obsessed with this, this other path that we think that we want to be on. And sometimes I think it also is this fear of failing. Oh yes. We live in this perfectionist society. And I think you say, allow yourself to suck. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's such a hard thing to embrace. Oh my God. It's, it's really, um, it's so hard. It is something that I, you know, still have to practice in my own life. And a lot of it comes from uh, a really interesting body of research by uh, Caroline Dweck. And it's about a, a growth mindset and we don't allow ourselves to, to suck at things. And, and why it's important to be able to suck at things is so that we can try new things, so that we can get curious, so we can, you know, maybe, you know, in my own life right now, I have been writing since the time, you know, I could write. <laughs> I was doing books um, at Matthews Elementary during lunchtime and publishing those with the Horseshoe Press. Um, and now, you know, that has graduated to to a different kind of publisher. Um, but, you know, after all these years of, of writing nonfiction, I've kind of always been writing about the lessons and the anecdotes of, you know, both my life, but really the universal truths of the women's stories that I've been facilitating. I had this idea or more like an inclination that I wanted to try writing fiction. But I'm like, I've literally never written fiction before. I have no idea how. I am definitely going to suck at it, but I, I really want to try. And, you know, you fast forward two years and now I have a accountability writer who's a a fellow fiction writer. She also happens to be a literary agent. I'm, you know, 30,000 words into an 80,000 fiction word fiction book. And, you know, if, 
if I didn't have my own advice around just being willing to suck and show up and, and try things that you've never tried before, you wouldn't, I wouldn't have ever gotten to this place where I now have this, this other body of writing, this other body of work that is so energizing to me. And especially times like now that are so uncertain and so hard to navigate, I can go to that fiction and kind of escape the world in that um, and not have to you know, really think about how the the lessons or the universal truths or the nonfiction is showing up. You never know until you try, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and you you do have to show up. You do have to try. And, and whether that's changing industries or changing companies or truly just being willing to take a class and make a change. And by the way, this stuff, Emily, does not all have to relate to our careers. Oftentimes, clearing the lost fog just becomes about finding a hobby. Like, where did hobbies go? We don't, not everything has to be a side hustle. Not everything has to make us money. A lot of times where we draw the most energy can be in moments of human connection while we're doing a pottery class or, you know, like kicking a soccer ball around in a park and just ritualizing those behaviors. Yeah, and that's something that's so important to remember because a lot of times people get into like a side hustle or a side gig sort of thing, but you can do things just to enjoy them. That is completely fine. You can do things just to enjoy them. Like I, where did we lose that? Um, and it's, you know, it's something that I've been trying to incorporate into, you know, even just into my own life of being able to do things without worrying about outcome. And I think that's key to figuring out our path through loss, right? Is one of the, one of the core tenants there, um, really what this book is about is building a deep sense of self-belief. What are the things that are going to allow us to believe in ourselves enough to take the actions, even though we don't know where the actions are going, right? And it's, it's really deconstructing what it means to live from a place of direction in knowing and trusting ourselves that we're going the right way versus destination, which is like, I want to get to that 10 year goal, that ex exact point on the other side of the street or the other side of the state. And, and just versus just trusting that we're going in the general right direction. And, and that comes full circle, right? With trusting all the ways that you can get to a place that may not have been what you planned originally. Because I can tell you, you know, Emily, on the other side of, you know, 10 years from where you're at, I never in a million years could have imagined that this is where I'd be, how quickly, but how slow some of it would have all happened. The nine million left turns. You know, a decade ago, I was probably at the low of low of just mm -hmm. feeling I have no idea where I'm going. I'm pretty sure I peaked in high school. And I'm literally like nothing I do is ever going to matter. And it just it couldn't be more wrong. Your life takes it just has so many chapters to it, whether we're 23, whether we're 43, you know, whether you know, it's the women on the other side of their encore careers at 73 that have read this book um, and might be listening to this now. There's just, it's not over, right? And if we can come back to the things that energize us and, and just trust that if we are taking motions and actions and small steps that light us up, that that's actually the whole point. And that's going to get us, you know, to where we want to be and believing in ourselves more and faster than, than anything we could have planned for ourselves. You mentioned in your book, uh, a willingness to wing it, which I <laughs> identified with a lot. That sounds kind of like what you're saying right now. Yeah, it's um, winging it is one of my one of my favorite things. And it doesn't mean that you don't prepare, right? It's just it's a willingness 
to get up there. It's a willingness to try. It's a willingness to, you know, throw the the 10 point goal plan out the window um, and, you know, show up for the moment. I think, you know, when I think about this, um, I think about last year, I was down in Florida for an event and, you know, it was about the book, but it was really focused on your girl gang and that community part of how the women around us really helped elevate us forward. And, you know, I was, and some people might find this wildly (laughs) ironic because I sure did. When I was going in to do this event was in the middle of my book launch. I think it was about like three months into the tour. And Emily, I felt the most lost I had felt since the time and the anecdotes that were in the book. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like I just wrote a whole book about not feeling lost and then I'm feeling incredibly lost myself. Like this is so ironic and hard. And why am I feeling this way? And it's interesting because it really was because I got so obsessed with the outcome of the book, of book sales, of how it's doing, of what press is covering it, about where it's all going, what it's going to turn into next, Mm -hmm. instead of just enjoying the moments. And, you know, when I, when I chose and that moment to just go on stage, leave this kind of narrative behind of all these points and plans and just really show up and and wing it, you know, around what I was actually feeling, what was really going on for me and share that with the women in front of me about how I had to really relearn my own lessons and and relearn my own body of work. You know, it just so much magic was in that room and so much shifted in that moment for me. I stopped hiding those feelings and therefore I got the solutions, right? I had a one of my best girlfriends was like, girl, I'm going to read your chapters back to you because you know exactly how to fix this. Um, you're just not, you're not listening to yourself and you're getting, you know, so worried about how everything looks and how it all ends up instead of just coming back and really enjoying what's in front of you. Yeah. And I think we get so caught up in this, what's next, what's next, what's next, how to make it perfect kind of culture that we constantly, yeah, yeah, we forget to take that step back and just enjoy it to enjoy what you're in and what you've gotten to so far. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting, right? Like we move all of these mountains in our lives and we don't ever take a moment to, to look at it, to reflect on what we've done. And that is one of, you know, one thing that not only I have taken from all of the, you know, research that went into those book, all of um, the times that I've faced my own obstacles in life. I think it's the thing that we miss the most when we're trying to figure out where we're going is to take a minute to stop, to turn around and actually to look at where we've already been. Because if we take time and moments for consistent reflection, it's interesting because so many of the answers are in the stories of what we've already done, of where we've already been, of what we liked, of what we didn't like. You know, that moment I told you um, earlier in this conversation about being at the depth of lost feelings early on in my career and then taking the writing class that led to this massive rocket ship that forever has changed the trajectory of my life. None of that would have happened if I hadn't taken a moment, right? When I said that, you know, I wouldn't have been able to tell you where I was going if my life depended on it. Therefore, the only choice that I had when I was feeling that lost was actually not to look to the future, but to look to the past. And when I looked at the past, I asked myself, what made me the most proud? What has brought me the most energy? What are the things that have just really lit me up about my past experiences? All of the answers were there. And then it just became about, okay, clearly I love to write. I love being in groups of women. 
I love women's stories. I, and at that time, like I really was passionate about how they're all anchored in our careers. What can I do about this? And the answer was really simple. I was like, let's just research some writing classes that I could take. I don't, I don't know what's going to come of it, but I, I think it'll make me feel better than I feel right now. And that's how, you know, that's how I got to the choice of making that writing class. And I still use those exercises all the time. If we can just look back, take some moment of reflection, of asking ourselves some questions, of, of journaling. Emily, you've read the book, you know, you know, there's worksheets in every chapter. Personally, and for me, it's, it's, it's my favorite part of the work because it's not about what I'm saying. It's not about what the research says. It's not about the other women's stories. It's really about, and, and this is kind of where my superpower lies, is I'm really good at asking the right questions that lead a woman to her own answers. Like no one needs my book. They don't need another podcast. They don't need another motivational speaker. Like we actually don't need any of that, LOL. Um, We just need someone to point us in the right direction, to point us to our own wisdom, to point us to our own truth. And that was really the purpose of all the questions that are littered throughout the book is, is to get you, Emily, to your own insights. It was such an engaging part of the book is you could take the time and write down your answers and really think about it for yourself instead of yeah. sometimes with self-help books, you keep going through, but... Oh my God, you feel like you're being preached at the whole time. Yes, but or it didn't feel like did. that. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Good. That was the point. I mean, my whole philosophy with all of this is, and it actually is what, you know, it's what I had to really think through before I before I wrote this book is, is you know, I don't... I don't think women need to change. I don't think we need to do anything differently. You know, we live in a society and a world that tells us constantly that we do. And I didn't mm-hmm. want to contribute to that. And so that is, you know, that is why my book starts how it is around really, you know, the the title of the first chapter is, you know, 99 problems, but you are not one because it's not, you know, when we feel lost, a lot of times we get really down on ourselves about what we did wrong and what we could have done better and that we're not enough. And none of those things are true. It's actually all those things that we think that we need to change is actually our formula to continuing on. At the end of the book, you say that committing to yourself is really the only thing you need to do to move forward. What does that look like? Yeah. You can say yeah. it, but it doesn't always make yeah, sense. It's, um, it's true with any, any piece of advice, right? Like I always tell women, you know, at the beginning of the book, it's, it's really about being the highest expression of yourself is, a, is an incredible place to start. And I always say it looks really good on an Instagram quotable, but what the heck does that even mean, right? It's totally different in practice. And committing to yourself is the same thing, right? And what I really mean by that is committing to these small actions that build a deep sense the self-belief. It's not committing to where we're going. It's not committing to a goal. It's not committing to fitting in in society. It's really committing to yourself. And for each person, that is going to look different. But if I had to say like at a, at a sweeping statement of what committing to yourself means, it means showing up to take a small step every day around something that energizes you. And for once, not worrying about how it's all going to play out. For once, not worrying about what it's going to mean, where it's going to take you, if it's the right thing, if it's the wrong thing. And just trusting that when you're making choices aligned with what feels good, with what feels easy, with what feels energizing, it actually is going to build a deep sense of self-belief that's going to allow you to take a bigger step that will build even more belief that will allow you to take an even bigger step. And before you know it, 
you'll be accomplishing things that, you know, were all the goals, you know, that, that mm-hmm. you wanted to begin with, but it's just, when you're feeling lost, that's not the place that you start. You start mm-hmm. by just committing to yourself, showing up in small ways. And mm-hmm. what's wild about it is how much all of that builds. It's like a almost self-care thing, but yeah, for you. Yeah. So Maxie, we're at the part of our podcast where we like to ask our guests one question, which is, Maxie, what is your purpose? Oh, just a casual sweeping life question, Emily. No Um, big deal. (laughs) You know, no big deal. I think, you know, for me, I know really clearly that my purpose is around supporting the global rise of women and what that means for me in practice, kind of similar to what we're just talking about. What does that actually mean? For me, it's all around facilitating women's stories. And, you know, we've talked about that a bit here, but I just, I am a question asker at heart. My favorite thing to do actually isn't to be the um the one person on the stage telling someone how to how to stop feeling lost. It's really to be the woman in the in the moderator role, similar to what you're doing right now, asking the questions that help us pull the stories from women's lives, pull the lessons from their experiences and weave those universal truths so that we can all learn from them. Because I think that our stories are our power. They're what unite us. They're what help us feel less alone. And so, you know, when I look at, okay, my purpose around the the global rise of all women, it really does come down to being able to facilitate each of their stories, whether that's on paper, in podcasts, on TV shows, on stage, like it, it applies to a lot of different scenarios for me. I love that you're committing to the global rise of women, but you're doing it in so many different ways. That's such a yeah. diverse answer. Yeah, thanks. I it's a it is my life. It is just a hodgepodge <laughs> of being able to use my talents in the ways that they're needed at the time they show up. Thank you so much for sharing that. So Maxie, if someone wants to get more of you and wants to connect, how do you recommend they do that? Where should they go? Y'all, I am real easy to find. Uh, you can find me on maximacoy.com. That's where I put out weekly writings. You can subscribe to my newsletter there. Um, also, obviously, find me on Instagram. It's at maximacoy. You can DM me. I respond to pretty much everything. And if you guys all read the book, I can't wait to hear what you think. So don't hesitate to reach out to me and ask questions or tell me your reactions. Yes, I know we're reading the book as our August book in the Alpha Gam Book Club. So if you haven't joined, go ahead and do that. Uh, And I'm excited to see what everyone thinks. I know I loved it and I am assuming everyone else will love it just as much. So grateful, y'all. So Maxie, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Emily. You too. Love, Lead, Listen is recorded and produced at Alpha Gamma Delta International Headquarters and is generously funded by the Alpha Gamma Delta Foundation. Episodes are released every two weeks, so make sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts so you don't miss out on any of our episodes. If you like this show, make sure to rate us five stars on iTunes and don't forget to share it with your friends. If you have an idea for a future episode or any other feedback, send us an email at podcast at alphagammadelta.org. I'm your host, Emily Bice, and that's all for today. See you next time.